Anytime kids ask, anytime I think they need to be reminded about the basic why of why they're in PE class, we go back to, guys, y'all are here so I can teach you the skills, the confidence, and the knowledge that you need to be successful and to be able to do whatever adventures you decide you're interested in one day. Um, so thinking about your philosophy on PE, however you want to frame it, however you want to say it, but that one thread that should kind of be um, threaded through all of your units, your entire scope and sequence um, as you plan out things and as you talk to your kids about it, I think that helps give consistency. It helps them remember why they're there. Hey, what's up guys? This is Ben Landers. I'm the founder of the PEspecialist.com and I just want to say thanks for being here. You're listening to the Fizz Ed Q&A show. I hope this is an awesome, valuable conversation that will help give you some ideas and answer some common questions around the field of physical education. If you want any links for things that we talk about or summaries, make sure to check out the show notes at the PEspecialist.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the show. What's up, guys? This is Ben and Marcus. We're back with you uh, for another episode of the Fizz Ed Q&A podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about scope and sequence, so how you plan your year, uh, how you choose your subjects, and how do you fit it all in, which is a very common question that we get very, very often. Um, and this is going to be different for everybody, so this is definitely a take what works, trash what doesn't uh, <laughs> podcast because everybody's schedule is different. So when you're uh, comparing yourself to somebody else that sees their kids three times a week for 45 minutes each and you only see your kids once a week for 40 minutes each, your scope and sequence is going to look very different. And the things that they're able to teach their kids are going to hopefully be three times as much as what you can teach your kids because they see their kids for three times the minutes that you have. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends. Your scope and sequence depends on your situation, how much PE instructional time your students get, and then also um, your area. So first thing to start with, in my mind, is just admit that you can't fit it all in. Um, there is no way that you're going to be able to fit it all in. And if you're starting out, you know, your first couple years is very overwhelming trying to figure out what you need to teach students. Um, but then as you have a little bit more experience, you start to get more confidence, you start to see more activities, get more ideas, you've, got, you've taught more things and you realize there are so many things that you could teach kids that you just don't have time for. And you, for me especially, I, I wanna go so much deeper than I can with my units. Um, but I just can't do it because I only see my kids once a week for 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so you just got to admit to yourself that it's not possible. You know, there's, there's only a certain amount of time you have with your kids. You got to be realistic. And um, you, you start by looking at um, what is the most relevant thing for your students. So for me, when I'm planning out my scope and sequence, um, I'm going to start with what subjects I think are going to help my kids be more active and live an active lifestyle. What, what's the best bang for my buck in subjects that I teach? And I know that kids have recess every day. Every single kid at my school has recess at our recess playground. We have a four square court. We have a soccer field with two soccer goals and we have a basketball court. So I know that every year I'm going to be teaching those three things because I know kids have opportunity to play it every day. Um, and I want to teach the things that I know the most kids are going to be impacted by. And so from there, I try to start to branch out and choose things that 
I think most kids will have an opportunity to play. And uh, since I see my kids once a week, I might do like a rotating um, year on those subjects. Things like teaching uh, tennis, with striking with implements using paddles, or striking with implements using a bat, or a noodle, or long-handled implement. Uh, gymnastics. We've got a ton of gymnastics uh, uh, gyms in our area. And so I might do one year I'll do gymnastics, the next year I might do striking with paddles, the next year I might do striking with um, bats. And then, so the, those uh, empty slots, I just switch them out every year with the things that I think most kids will be able to do. And then think the things I know all kids can do, I do those things every year. We work the same way. Um, that's what we try to do over at Lake Murray. We try to um, break our scoping sequence down based on, first, what kids have access to every single day. Uh, so like Ben said, we have a basketball court. We have four square. We have uh, gymnastics equipment on our recess hill. We have lots of different things that students can do every single day. So we try to incorporate those in our lessons every single year. Um, and then based on your surroundings and what you have going around, then you try to fit in everything else over there. We know our kids are going to love a basketball unit. We know our kids are going to love um, soccer. And they know they're going to love gymnastics. But we also try to rotate in some different things um, as far as you know, uh, throwing and catching and um, you know, striking with an implement and just the things that we can't get to all the time. We try to incorporate those in the different things that we do each year. Um, but it, like Ben said, understanding that you cannot do everything that you want to do and not letting that bog you down is a great way for you to stay focused on getting the students to understand and gain the love of physical activity and moving around and, and, and enjoying that different time that they have in the gym. So um, based on what you have, based on what you have going on around you, try to, try to scope that out and then see if you can sequence some different things just like that. Uh, one thing uh, that I think some people will probably say when they are watching this or you might hear other people say is, uh, why are you teaching a basketball unit? Why are you teaching a soccer unit? That's a team sport. Um, so I just want to mention that you know, I think that the way that I teach a soccer unit or the way that Marcus teaches a basketball unit is probably the exact same way that you teach a kicking unit or a ball handling unit. But in my mind, you know, we're, we're not doing one ball on 20 kids, okay? We're, we're doing very appropriate, very quality, one ball per student or as many as you have. Everybody's moving around. You're getting as much action as you can. Um, but in my mind, why would you not uh, frame it Yes. as the sport because you're trying to get kids involved in playing the game of soccer at recess or playing the game of basketball at recess so you need to call it what it is which is basketball and you still are teaching those same skills ball handling you know my kindergarten kids are not playing in a game of basketball ever um, but they're still learning to dribble pass and shoot yes. <laughs> the basics um, and, I, and we're still calling it basketball. So when they come in, I'm like, guys, for the next three weeks, we're going to be learning basketball. Um, so if you're, if you're one of those uh, no team sports, I just wanted to make that quick uh, note that I totally understand your sentiment. Um, but I think that uh, if we're trying to get kids active outside of school, I think it's important to teach them the basics of the sport so that they can hopefully play on their own um, because that seems like the whole point to me. They can be confident enough. You know, we had that conversation whenever we started a unit on there. It's like, hey, we're gonna, the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about basketball. 
we have way too many people in here to play a basketball game, but I'm going to teach you the skills of basketball so that if you see people doing this or doing this or doing this, you know exactly what to do and you might be more confident to go and play with them because basketball is an easy way for you to stay healthy for a lifetime. So um, we just like to label different things on there that they might hear outside of class. Um, it's not necessarily what they might actually do outside of class, but we want to try to label in there, and then, and then we try to break down the skills um, for each of those different things that they might do outside of class. Yeah. Um, next thing I would recommend is checking out uh, Shape America's grade level outcomes document or your state document. You know, most states have a document that has expected grade level outcomes, standards that most students should be able to do, like second grade should be able to throw a ball and hit a wall from 30 feet, um, which is one of the ones that we assess, which is why it stuck out in my mind. But uh, the Shape America document, we'll link that up below, is a great resource for you to kind of have a big picture idea of what your kids should be able to do. Now, like I said at the beginning, if you see your kids once a week, somebody else sees them four times a week, then your, their kids should be able to do more than your kids. And that's just the way that it is. We have some equalities in education. Um, and it's also important to remember that if you're coming into a school for the first time, you don't know the instruction that those kids have had. And so you might be starting from square one. So as you, as you teach longer and longer at the same school, you have your kids for more time, you'll see that vertical alignment. And then you'll start to know, like for me, I know exactly what my fifth graders have been taught kindergarten, first, second, third, and fourth. And so that helps me understand what they're capable of. So you're probably gonna have to do some experimenting, some testing if it's your first time teaching to, or teaching at that school to understand what those kids are capable of, where their skill levels are at, what their previous instruction, their previous knowledge might be. Yeah, the grade level outcomes are a, um, a valuable tool that you can use to, especially if you are new to profession or you don't know what the big picture is, and the grade level outcomes do a great job of explaining to you what you should have your students at or where your students should be at at their appropriate level. So we like to we like to look back at the grade level outcomes all the time and we're lucky enough to have a good cohort of professionals in our district when we all get together and we talk about um, what works, what, done, what doesn't work with our students. And we like to bounce ideas off of each other as far as what we like to do. And, you know, the way that you do it might not be the best for your students, but if you see somebody else doing it a different way, that would be a great way for you to do that. And if you don't have that cohort, you can go always go online and do some different things to search for those different things. But using that Shape America document has been really a valuable tool so that you know exactly how you need your students to be at a certain level. Yes, good stuff. We'll link that below if you haven't, or you can just Google Shave America GLO document, grade level outcomes. Um, another thing you can do is uh, at the end of the year, or even at the beginning of the year, you can pull your kids and ask them what they're interested in. Um, and I've used this, I survey my kids every year at the end, and I'll, I'll use that information a lot when I'm teaching a specific unit. And uh, for example, when I'm teaching basketball, I'll show them the results from the previous year of, yeah, we're about to learn basketball. Now, some of you might not like basketball. Many of the girls don't like the basketball unit. Um, but look at the, the stats on the survey. You know, 70% of the school wants to learn basketball. 
And so we're going to teach it. And then when we do the gymnastics unit, I might show them that <laughs> results. And I'll say, that hey, look totally at this. <laughs> 60% of the school wants to learn gymnastics. Some of you, many of the boys, don't want to do gymnastics. Um, and I'll also reframe it, you know, as other like parkour and try to relate it to all the things that they can apply those body management skills to. Um, but polling your students and asking them in a, in a survey, we use Google Forms for that. We'll link below if you want to try to do that with your kids. Um, can really give you some insight into the kind of things that kids are into, where their interests are at, and then the kind of things that they're already doing after school. Uh, it'll kind of help you figure out what would be the, the best bang for your buck, the most applicable things for your students when you're planning that curriculum, that scope and sequence. Do some research on the community around. Uh, if you have YMCA, if you have rec centers, um, look at the leagues that they have. I mean, if they have a league that uh, a soccer league or a basketball league, then you know that the children around the area enjoy doing that activity, and that's something that you might want to teach. Um, it's something that you might want to add to your curriculum. So uh, continue doing the research around what's going on around your your community. It will be a great way for you to figure out um, what you need to do. Uh, polling the students, like Ben says, is a great idea. Um, you could also do one after you teach a lesson. After you teach a lesson, say, and do a quick survey about you know what the students thought about the um, the lesson or the unit or the activity. Um, that would be a great way for you to continue to add that to your curriculum. Or if you need to toss it, you need to toss it. Uh, remember that the the big picture is about helping students be active for a lifetime. So you need to um, give the people what they want. So if they don't want to do the activity, then that might be something that you might have to get rid of. But keeping an open mind. Um, using those those different tools to try to gain what students like to do and what people like to do will be a great way for you to uh, to build your, your PE program. Uh, for sure, I want to go off what Marcus said about, you know, remembering the main idea. Um, it, you should have that one thing that kind of is the thread that connects to your entire year, all your lessons, all your curriculum together, and you should be able to tell your kids what that is, and they should hear you say it over and over again. Um, for me, that's I want you to have the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence that you need to pursue whatever adventures you want in the future. And I'll give a shout-out to Joey Fyth uh, for that one at thephysicaleducator.com. He's got a really awesome blog post about his adventure pyramid, and um, I kind of went off of that. And adventure was, for me, something that really resonated with me, and it was a great way to sell PE to my students. And so for me, anytime kids ask, anytime I think they need to be reminded about the basic why of why they're in PE class, we go back to, guys, y'all are here so I can teach you the skills, the confidence, and the knowledge that you need to be successful and to be able to do whatever adventures you decide you're interested in one day. Um, so thinking about your philosophy on PE, however you want to frame it, however you want to say it, but that one thread that should kind of be um, threaded through all of your units, your entire scope and sequence um, as you plan out things and as you talk to your kids about it, I think that helps give consistency. It helps them remember why they're there. Oh, yeah. um, everything is fun. Make sure any unit that you plan, you do it in a fun and way that's uh, motivating to your students. As we like to say, have fun and teach on. Um, we're trying to get kids to live an active lifestyle. So if you're doing something and it's not fun, um, then they're not going to want to do it outside of school. So make sure that you're doing things that kids are going to be able to take outside of your class, outside of school, and um, live an active, healthy lifestyle with those things in the future. No doubt. No doubt. Kids, kids really feed off the energy. So if you have the energy, you bring the energy, whatever activity that you're doing, 
the kids are going to be engaged in it as well um, and, and, and seeing what they like to do and what they enjoy to do outside the class would be a great way for uh, something that you can add into your curriculum, to your scope and sequence, to building that, that confident, physical educated student for, um, that are, will try to be healthy for a lifetime. For sure. Um, so just to recap a few things, remember guys, you're not going to be able to fit it all in. Um, the grade level outcomes is a great starting point and some of the grade level outcomes might not be realistic depending on how much you see your kids. Developing mastery might not be realistic depending on how much you see your kids or depending on their previous instruction, where they came to you from. Um, so you're just going to do your best and give them the best program that you can. Try to figure out what the things that are going to resonate with them, whether they're going to get more opportunities to pursue or participate in in the future, and plan the best lessons that you can. We'll provide some links down below for those. Uh, I have a video that will kind of give you an idea of how I plan my year. Um, and that might be helpful when you're kind of planning out your entire year to go check that out. We'll link that down below. And then also this question is the reason, one of the big motivators behind why I developed uh, the website and why we started the PE Specialist membership, why Marcus is helping me with that, oh, yeah. and um, trying to support teachers and give them a game plan and walk them through exactly what a year could look like. Now, it doesn't have to be exact. You can change things, take what works, trash what doesn't, modify and adjust, um, be flexible. But um, you can check that out, and we'll link that down below as well uh, if you're looking for another resource for planning curriculum. Find what works, use what you can, trash what you can. And we can't say that enough because um, everything that you, you try to do and been done, somebody's already done it before, and somebody can give you some tips on it. So don't be afraid to look out and try to find some different things on there. Thanks for listening or watching, guys, uh, wherever you're at on the podcast or on YouTube. If you want to check out the show notes, check out pspecialist.com slash podcast. We'll have all the episodes listed there. You can get the links. You can get the show notes and all the summaries, and we hope that was helpful. As always, have fun and teach on. We'll catch you later. And that wraps up this episode of the Phys Ed Q&A show. Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate you giving us a rating in iTunes because that helps other people find the show. And if you know somebody else that would enjoy the message, make sure to share it with them. All the notes from the links and things like that that we talked about will be available in the show notes over at thepespecialist.com slash podcast. So make sure to check those out. And as always, have fun and teach on. I hope you have an awesome day. Later, friends.